Welcome to Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Dennis Stewart, as per usual. Great to have you back with us, Dennis. Thank you, Greg. Very nice to be with you. I noticed you've got a black T-shirt on today. I thought you might have been wearing pink. What, pink? <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, why, why not? I guess I could have worn pink today. But you're, you're not going to the concert, are you? You're not flying down to Melbourne? No, I'm not. Oh, no, no. no, I tried, but I couldn't get a seat. It was... It wasn't, didn't jump on the tickets quick enough, did we? It's, <laughs> next time we'll know. You wonder where we're going, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, let's get into it, Dennis. Let's, okay, move, let's, let's go. move on completely. Let's go. Uh, you talk about resisting of ageing yeah, and for yeah. just changing your lifestyle yeah, and also yeah. dietary needs. Look, it's one of my favourite topics as Listers Bay have uh, noticed over the years and particularly as uh, uh, I'm getting older Mm. I find myself being more interested than I've ever been in looking at ways and means that have credibility of improving one's health and one's possibility of life extension and I've had some very interesting experiences in recent times which have really fired me up to believe that my, my gut feeling over the years and my talking on this topic over the years is important and valid and can clinically and socially be evidenced, particularly by two events that uh, I participated in in recent times. I'll talk more about it. Right, two events. Two events. And one of them's not a pink concert, I'm assuming. Um, no, I'm not really big on pink. <laughs> and you mentioned today we're talking about sort of... Well, you want to talk about ginseng, was it? We're going to ginseng. talk about ginseng, but before we get to that uh, interesting topic... There's two experiences you just mentioned correct. before. And, they, and look, they're, they're recent experiences which uh, uh, really confirmed, as I said earlier, my belief that there are ways and means of improving our health as we get older and even potentially promoting life extension, and that's a big call. Now, what were these two events... <laughs> Listeners might be interested to know that one of them was an event on my way flying to Cairns. Right, it was a long trip to Cairns, a bit boring actually. Mm. But my daughter is right into technology, much more so than I am. And she was sitting next to me. She said, "I think we'll watch, we'll watch, we'll watch a movie that you'd be interested in." Yep. So she she got up Netflix. Yep. Now I'm not big on that, but anyway, she got <laughs> up Netflix, and uh, we started watching. Something that almost hypnotised me. The name of the <clears throat> movie or program or whatever it was was Live to a Hundred Secrets of the Blue Zone. Now, um, it was a, a contemporary presentation of a guy's pursuit of areas around the world where centenarians were disproportionately represented. He looked for these areas around the world that might hold some secret as to how the population could be living so long. What was their secret? And and the program for listeners that want to watch it will glue you to it. It is so fascinating, so credible, uh, not a promotion. Mm -hmm. It's all information. I'll mention it again. Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zone. Listeners, if you don't get anything other out of this program today, (laughs) watch that shot on Netflix. You'll watch it and you won't put it away. The information there on lifestyle, on diet, on regularity of one's life, of herbs, is quite incredible. And there, as I've said, there's no pushing the point. It was informational, looking at things that could be seen as giving expression to the idea 
that what we do, where we go, what we eat, can play a much more important role in resisting ageing and promoting longevity of life. That was one event. Yep. But the... I say, can I have a guess at some of the, the countries? <laughs> yes, go on. Japan? Japan was one of them, one part of Japan. Um, the, the Japan and, and its islands, of course, mm -hmm. uh, are famous. Uh, some of the islands are famous for longevity, and that is because we suspect, uh, first of all, their simplicity of life, and secondly, the way in which their diet is largely based on seafood. Mm -hmm. And, well, that is considered to explain <laughs> why they're... <laughs> Living so long. Yeah. Now, I'm a big fan on seafood. Mm -hmm. In fact, after this program, I usually uh, make uh, a trip to Mecca, which is the fish co-op in Newcastle, yep. and stock up for the weekend. But uh, the, the eating of fish has pretty, be pretty well been acknowledged mm -hmm. now as contributing to various aspects of health. But in a society, a, a historic society, in that part of, uh, of the world where the diet has been largely unchanged and is very much dependent on seafood, it was one of the areas that came up as having a disproportionately large percentage of centenarians. So that was one area, but if you'd like to go on, I'll see whether you know many others. Oh, I was going to say Italy. Italy, big on Italy, yep. but parts of Italy. Uh, for instance, in the more traditional areas where the society and culture is still stable, and hasn't been subverted by the absurdity of modernity. Yep. <laughs> and, and you've got people living a traditional uh, life with a traditional diet. One of the interesting things was that f arising from the Italian experience of small communities in remote historic areas, where you had people coming together regularly, um, knowing each other, living in the same vicinity, visiting each other, uh, caring for each other, that was considered to be as important in promoting good elderly health than anything else. Yeah, OK. And that, that doesn't surprise me because I've always contended that we give up on things when we give up our independence and that we should stick as much as possible living in a neighbourhood, a traditional area that we know, people that we know, and resist the tendency to be shuffled off Yep. out of our environment. But that was one thing that uh, there was a whole heap of information in that Netflix. We'll go to the second event because <laughs> okay, we'll I'll, I'll sidetrack this oh, there a little this bit. Is, this is even more exciting. Okay. <laughs> the, the second th <coughs> experience that I had was watching a DVD that I purchased from uh, a second hand from my dear friend Andrew who ran a very good bookshop and second hand uh, shop in in um, around New Lambton, and I purchased a DVD called Eight Secrets to Ancient Health. Now, I'll say it again, it's a DVD uh, recently produced, and the name of it is Eight Secrets to Ancient Health. Now, that is mind-blowing mm. because it's very, not clinical, but it is very much associated with the application of a significant change in diet, the emphasis on significant drinking of water throughout the day, the emphasis, interestingly, on a strictly vegetarian diet. Now, I'm not strictly vegetarian, but I veer in that direction. A whole heap, eight principles, which were evidenced on the DVD by clinicians, sociologists and others, visiting people, 
that were in their hundreds and looking at what they considered to contribute to their longevity and it came back to eight principles that are talked about in this remarkable DVD entitled Eight Secrets to Ancient Health. Now, listeners, if you don't hear me say anything else sensible this morning, <laughs> the mention of those two visible confirmations of my long-held contention that we can, through lifestyle, diet, social factors, and in a minute, particularly, of course, taking note of what traditional cultures have always used in their attempt to live long lives, and that is to take notice of traditional medicine and some of the clues for longevity. I believe, apart from the factors I've been talking about, are associated with long-held views that certain herbs used regularly in the diet, a handful of them particularly, can explain and are documented to be potentially explainable as to why people that use those herbs as foods live long lives. Right. A How lot about of, that? A lot of information there. A lot of information there. <laughs> and listeners should go away with their notebooks full of encouragement here. Good stuff to listen to. And in a moment, we'll talk about one of the most famous herbs in herbal medicine, its history, its traditional benefits, and how being used in Western cultures today is being increasingly documented as being explicable as to why people live very old lives when they use this herb and a few others. Dennis... Covered quite a lot in that last Yeah, last it was good. Break, I eh? enjoyed it. Um, I think one of the good things about this program is that it, it allows us to give listeners some encouragement to do a bit of reading themselves, do yep. a bit of watching themselves, to follow up on the topics that we talk about and see that there's credibility about them. I would like to think my, my program over the years has been credible, <laughs> but uh, giving people uh, information that they can follow up themselves. If they follow that information up that I gave today, which is readily accessible, um, they will be as excited as I am to see the possibilities of living a bit longer. Just a bit. And you want to talk about a couple of herbs about that? Yeah, I do. How we can do that today? I do. And, and one's a very popular well, Chinese herb. One, one is the most popular Chinese herb. And over the years, I have mentioned the herb in the context of three anti-aging remedies but the leader of the pack if you like is the uh, Chinese or Northern Asian um, herb known as Panax Ginseng. People mm -hmm. frequently refer to it as Korean Ginseng because these days um, most of the Ginseng is cultivated in places like Korea and, and uh, some of the best extracts and preparations of Ginseng come out of Korea. Yep. But regardless of where it comes from um, ginseng has been the mainstay, if you like, of Chinese traditional medicine, not just for a hundred or so years, but arguably a couple of thousand years. And if um, it's not considered to be absurd to say this, it could be considered to be a herb that has validity for seeing it as an anti-aging remedy. And anti-aging in the best concept, not just to extend one's life. Mm -hmm. That's important, of course. Yep. <laughs> but also to be able to enjoy one's life as one gets older. Yep. And I think the biggest problem confronting 
elderly people such as myself is the tendency, maybe the even, the encouragement even in our lifestyle to take it easy, in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's wrong. Yeah, okay. I think if you look at traditional cultures, particularly traditional village cultures in North Asia, particularly China, you'll find there a way of life usually characterised by longevity and a very traditional diet and a lot of access to herbs, the leading one being Panax ginseng. Now, we, all, we always used to think, not always, but we thought for a long time that a lot of the claims made about it were over the top. Right. But I have seen, Greg, I have seen evidence at a very personal level of where ginseng could be seen as the answer to one of the most intelligent, articulate and healthy elderly person I've met in my life, and I've met quite a few of them. But... I'll talk about it for a few moments because mm. it will confirm my contention that the regular ongoing use of ginseng, particularly in elderly people, has a lot of things going for it. I was in Perth. I was conducting a series of lectures for Blackmores at a postgraduate level. And at the conclusion of the uh, five or six days teaching, I was invited out to dinner by one of the, uh, the doctors that was attending the seminar. And so he went out to this uh, upmarket uh, restaurant. Um, uh, not that that impresses me too much. You pay a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I went along. And uh, when we uh, went there, um, the, uh, co the colleague that had attended the seminar, the Chinese gentleman, had brought his elderly father along to meet me and to participate in the night's activities. But also, he had uh, invited uh, another medical colleague to come. So as the night wore on, um, we were talking, etc., and we had a few drinks, as you might expect, mm -hmm. um, not in any way at all to, to alter the nature of the conversation other than to yeah. free it up a bit. But as the night went on, doctors being doctors, uh, the topic eventually just got round to the mundane talking again of, of medical things. Mm. I was a bit bored at that. <laughs> and uh, the elderly Chinese gentleman and I struck up conversation and he um, was just a remarkable man. He was a gentleman who the, uh, the following day was to fly back from Perth to Malaysia uh, to be the personal guest of the Malaysian Prime Minister, Dr Mahathir, for, for a celebration, independent celebrations. And so we are talking a bit about that. He was interested in my understanding and use of herbs. And as the night went on, we, a conversation deepened. And I'm looking at this chap, not a wrinkle on his face, jet black hair, and every bit of it still there. Yeah. Articulate, spoke better English than any of us that were there. So diverse in his conversation. And towards the end of the night, I got a little bit bold and I said to him, I said, now look, um, how old are you? Now, you normally don't do that, but the conversation had yeah. been freed up a bit, Greg. So I said to him, <laughs> how old are you? He said, uh, you guess, you guess. I said, oh, I'm looking at this guy. And I thought, oh, ooh. Say 83, and he threw his head back threw his head back, laughing like you wouldn't believe. He just shook his head. No, 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 no. 75. 
75. Now, I see a lot of elderly people. I've not seen a gentleman like that so healthy. And so, being interested in his secret, hoping to get some information yep. that might improve my prospects, <laughs> I said, OK. I said, what do you put your health, your long life, your conversational skills, what do you put it down to? He said, and I quote his words, I scour the world for the best ginseng. And I was a bit taken back by that. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, once a year, he said, I fly from Malaysia back to the traditional parts of China where ginseng still grows naturally. And he said, I hire a group of villagers and we go. And he said, we dig, we dig ginseng. And I, uh, I bring back a piece of ginseng which usually lasts me for a year because in traditional uh, Chinese diet and medicine, uh, ginseng is, is prepared in, in a domesticated way, almost as, well, as a food. Yep. We use it as a medicine. Now, remember, this chap uh, obviously was a well-to-do uh, Chinese gentleman, uh, had been very successful, as many Chinese are in Malaysia, and was able to afford to fly there annually and to pay to get a group of people to go with him digging ginseng. Now, I've dug many herbs around this country. I go to the New England area and pick hawthorn berries, and people think I'm mad when they <laughs> pip their horns. But that's all right. But um, I don't do the ginseng trip. But he goes and does that. Now, my point is, you do not have to get on a, a plane and fly from Newcastle to China yep. to use ginseng. You can procure it in health food stores, certainly from herbalists, certainly from herbalists. You can obtain it from pharmacies. It's a herb that is accessible and, interestingly, is not that expensive in the scheme of things. When I see the money that people are paying these days for some health supplements, I shake my head. Yep. It shouldn't be like that. But ginseng, the herb, is taken in very small amounts, is not expensive, and for any person that is interested in promoting their health as they get older and having some of the vigour associated with youth, get on to ginseng. I'll talk a bit more about it in a moment. And, Dennis, you just mentioned about ginseng before. Yes. I was just going to ask you a quick question because yes. it's kind of a little bit popularised uh -huh. in a commercial sense now because you see the uh -huh. drink, ginseng drinks. Yeah. And and what's look, the worth of them? Is it... I have to be cautious what I say about this. Okay. But Maybe I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> herbs can be used... Uh, for medical and health purposes, or sometimes they can be used uh, for pro promotional devices. Right, yep. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in every case. Mm -hmm. I'm covering myself. Yeah. But if one is to use ginseng and get the benefits that I claim and argue for and have taught about for many years, one must use a proper, well-branded product with dosage indicated on it and origins, the source of where the product came from. Yep. This is why I'm saying, uh, if you're going to get a benefit from ginseng, perhaps not use it in a fizzy drink, yep. but get hold of it <laughs> from someone that can give you advice, give you the correct product, and talk about its benefits. So I have a bit of scepticism, not about yep. all, yep. but a lot of scepticism about the way in which herbs are creeping into supplements to make all sorts of claims which I consider, and in my opinion, 
are difficult to sustain. Yeah, that's what I could. Just, I just thought that because you see, you know, jinks in drinks, and I thought, yeah. how much actual? Yeah. It can't be all, the whole. It can't be a lot of it. It looks good. Yeah, but ginseng. When I said it's not expensive, uh, you just wouldn't put a huge amount of it yeah. in a pop drink <laughs> yeah, because the cost of it would send <laughs> the product through the roof. <laughs> Right, so speaking of, let's get a bit, bit more about ginseng. Okay. <laughs> Look, I've been talking about the traditional history of Panax ginseng, and I might just say to listeners, uh, with ginseng, I take the preparation, as does my wife, every day. So what I'm talking about now, I do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, ginseng in the modern uh, world and in the Western world, where it is very well known now, has a credible scientific interpretation. Ginseng has been examined by plant uh, chemists and shown to contain a group of substances called saponins. Now, I'm not going to bore listeners by going into plant chemistry, but these saponins are chemical constituents which have been shown by modern uh, writers and exponents of the herb to have an effect in supporting the body's resistance to what are called stressors, infection, the ageing process, failure of stamina, and particularly due to what one writer, Simon Mills, a very, very good writer and exponent of herbal medicine in the English-speaking world, talks about it uh, as being a herb which contains saponins which support the adrenal gland, the adrenal gland, and the adrenal gland is associated with maintaining health, well-being, vitality, response to infection and inflammation. So the chemistry of the herb, based on saponins, is well known today and is considered to explain the claims of how taking this herb regularly has demonstrated an ability to cope with the challenges of ageing better than otherwise. Right. Just going to interrupt you there, Dennis. We've got mm. Jeanette from Jewel on the line. How are you doing, Jeanette? What can we help you with? Tinnitus, please. Hello, Jeanette. How are you doing? Well, thank you, apart from the tinnitus I've got recently. Okay. Now, with tinnitus, have you had it? Or let me just explain to Lynn and our listeners. Tinnitus, if we like to reduce it to simple terminology, is like ringing in the ears. Correct. Now, how long have you had it for? It's only just started. I had a bad first dose of vertigo about six months ago mm-hmm. and this genesis has just started over the last week. Okay and you've seen your doctor about it? No I haven't yet. Okay look uh, as I always say our, our GPs are our point of first contact so what I'm going to say now useful as it is and safe as it is uh, if the condition lingers it's worthwhile getting your GP to have a look at it to make sure that there is no underlying um, condition behind the tinnitus. Most cases of tinnitus that, uh, that I treat or I uh, talk about or discuss with patients and clients has been well investigated and unfortunately in many cases doesn't really explain why the condition is there but it's very annoying. Now a couple oh. of things you can do and, and try uh, to work it around. The first thing is this. There is a, a, a herb called ginkgo biloba. Now, ginkgo biloba is, uh, again, an Asian remedy that, interestingly, has been made famous in the Western world by the uh, work that Germans did on the herb 
after the Second World War, particularly on the leaf of the herb. The ginkgo tree uh, grows all around the place. Most people would recognise it. It is the oldest tree on the planet. It doesn't believe, uh, be, belong to this era. It's the residue of a previous evolutionary era. The leaf of it contains interesting chemical constituents which, like ginseng, have been well investigated and explain some of the benefits that the herb has on multiple parts of the body. In tinnitus, it has a reputation of benefit, but again, the taking of, of uh, ginkgo to get a result requires two things. The taking of a standardised preparation, that means a preparation that just isn't haphazard, a preparation that has been made properly with a, spe a, st a specified level of the con active constituents in them uh, and your pharmacist or your health food store proprietor or your herbalist would be able to uh, talk that out with you but the first thing is a good pro uh, professional preparation to take of, of uh, ginkgo. Now the second thing is this, very rarely does it work immediately. The literature indicates that it needs to be taken for a period of time, the longer the better but the literature is confident that it has a, a useful and proven role to address tinnitus in many cases. I have a reference, a good reference, back at my office in New Lambton, which I frequently uh, show to patients and work through it with them to demonstrate that the taking of ginkgo is documented for that. So that's a herb that if you haven't tried it, it might be worthwhile considering. Ginkgo biloba, a standardised preparation, taken in the correct dosage that is something that needs to be considered. The second thing is this there is a much simpler and older herb called wood betony that's wood W-O-O-D betony B-E-T-O-N-Y that is a European herb popularly used in, in English herbalism uh, one of the oldest herbs in English herbalism and wood betony a very inexpensive but not easily accessed herb also is useful for dealing with this condition with a, a greater likelihood of bringing about some relief from it. The taking of wood betony in conjunction with ginkgo biloba, in my opinion, uh, should hasten some relief for the condition. But let me just say, as your good doctor would tell you, tinnitus is not an easy condition to treat Yours came on quickly, it may indeed go quickly, but that it may not. Nice. But try those two things. Now, the only thing I would say, if you start using the ginkgo, it probably isn't wise to use it if you are on blood thinning medication. And yes, that's, I am. Okay. That needs to be talked out with your doctor because uh, you, you're on warfarin or something, are you? Um, or clopidogrel? Um, yeah. Okay. Look... There's a big debate in the, in the herbal world as to whether or not the initial concern about uh, ginkgo interacting with so-called blood-thinning medication was in fact valid. Some of the recent literature questions that. I think discuss it with your doctor. If it is, uh, you know, okay with him, I would still recommend you give it a go. But, right. but make sure you get the nod. Yep, you've got ginkgo, G-I-N-K-O. Yeah, G-I-N-K-G-O. Now, the thing about it is yeah. you what should be... What about the last, what uh, about the last word, biloba? B-I-L-O-B-A. 
It's a, it's a very, very uh, popular and common herb. I would suggest uh, have a yarn with, in this case with your pharmacist who might be more up to speed as far as uh, um, any, any concerns uh, with your other medication. Okay. Lovely. See Thanks how you go much. with that. I'll see how you go with it, Jeanette. Let us know. All right, will do. Thanks for okay. your help. Right out. Jeez, thanks. It's Health Naturally on 2 and RFM. Dennis, we'll be back to wrap up about ginseng. Oh, what a pity. What a pity. We've just started to wind up here, mate. scratch the surface. we scratch the... Well, there you go. You're digging already, <laughs> my dear friend. It's Health Naturally for a Friday afternoon. Dennis Stewart, about to wrap up again for another week. Look at... What a pity. What a pity. We, as I said, only just scratched the surface with ginseng in many ways. I mean, digging the surface. Sorry, digging the surface. I've actually dug herbs... Yeah, I have. Don't for them. T- yeah, absolutely. Uh, we used to uh, go out to the fields, the school, Southern Cross mm-hmm. Herbal School, with, on field days, and uh, would popularly go to a paddock round Arimba. Yep. And I would dig up big roots of a herb called poke root, Phytolacodicandra. So I know a little bit about doing the hard work, and uh, seriously, going to the New England at the right time is a real pleasure. Uh, my wife has photographs of the both of us collecting. Uh, hawthorn berries from the trees up there that are considered to be noxious weeds. <laughs> I consider them one of God's <laughs> blessing around the place. So that's the real side of herbalism, which unfortunately is being lost. Uh, well, I will probably be one of the last uh, old-fashioned herbalists yep. that actually taught, practised and took students into the field to recognise and, and gather herbs. That is being lost, unfortunately. That's a, well, that's really a big part of oh, it is. knowing what right, things to it pick. Is. And, uh, and what worries me these days is that uh, many students studying herbal medicine just think that the herb is the capsule. Yep. They've got no idea about, or very little idea. I've got to be cautious. I'm not being critical. <laughs> okay. I, I just worry about the loss of the traditional side of herbal medicine, which is always very earthy. Mm. Getting back to basics. I may, I've made a lot of my medicines myself along the way um, that is dying out and um, I, I worry about that but never mind that's the way it is right. <laughs> we started that's, off yeah. talking about ginkgo today and we finalised our discussion by just briefly touching on ginkgo biloba and I mentioned to that dear lady there of its potential and I say potential benefit in addressing that wretched condition known as tinnitus but when we uh, come together next next week uh, God willing, mm-hmm. we will look at ginkgo as one of the herbs for the other remarkable benefits that it has in addressing the most serious disease of modern times, that which is affecting our minds. Oh, fantastic stuff. <laughs> Cheers, Dennis. Catch you next Thanks, week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.